You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. Today, um, it's going to be much more helpful for those of you who are watching on Facebook and on YouTube because, as you may see with me today, this is not a guest that I normally have on, but sometimes when I do the Monday Night Live stream with Jesse Graff on the NASM Instagram page, I have this guy. So it, he's not here because it is October 2021. I'm not bringing a skeleton in because of the holidays. I have a skeleton here because he, his name is Slim, looks a little bashful, a little bashful, doesn't he? So Slim is going to help us talk about the rotator cuff today. So I brought him in so we can show the rotator cuff and what goes on at this joint with these muscles. So I'm gonna do what I can to help those of you who are listening to the podcast very clearly understand what is happening here. I'm going to do my best. And many of you may be familiar with the muscles of the rotator cuff. So, uh, and, and what some of the joint actions are and what they do. But I did this as an Instagram post on my personal Instagram at dr.rickritchie about a month or two ago. And I got a lot of feedback. I got a lot of comments and I got a lot of thank yous for this. So I want to make sure that I put this out here for the NASM CPT podcast as well. So we're going to talk about the rotator cuffs and let's just go ahead and name them. If you know them, say them in your head. We have four rotator cuffs, uh, rotator cuff muscles, individual muscles that make up the rotator cuff. We have the supraspinatus or spinatus. We have the infraspinatus or infraspinatus. We have the teres minor, minor one not a major, Terry's minor, and then we have the subscapularis. Now, let's talk about these, and what I like about them is a the majority of the names, except for one of them, actually tells you where they are. So the spine of the scapula, for those of you listening, if you just take, I'm taking my left hand, and I'm going to reach in front of me across my right shoulder and reach back behind me, and there's a bone along the scapula. And you can feel that as your fingers reach back and it runs laterally, basically, uh, at a slight downward angle, and it runs laterally across the scapula. So kind of along the horizon there. That is the spine of the scapula. The spine of the scapula. So you have a muscle that is supraspinatus, and you have a muscle that is infra spinatus. So the supra, the above muscle, the supraspinatus is, and you can feel that reach back there, palpate the spine of the scapula, and then just go right above it and press down. And most people, as you push that, you go, oh, that's where my traps are. And that is true. That is where your traps are. And underneath your upper trap is in that canal there is your supraspinatus. And what happens is if you keep going laterally, you're going to get to a point where the clavicle, the collarbone, and the scapula, shoulder blade, connect. And where they connect, the supraspinatus goes underneath that. 
it threads underneath that and attaches to the very top. If you think about your fist, if you make a fist with a straight forearm, the, the head of the humerus is the fist. So it's a little bit bigger than the rest of the bone. And these muscles are going to attach right at the very, very top of the humerus bone. All of the, all the muscles in the rotator cuff are gonna attach really high up on the humerus bone. So they don't have a great lever. They don't have great leverage, but they're not designed to have impeccable leverage. They're designed, by design, the purpose of them is to stabilize the shoulder inside of that glenoid fossa. They are very important to what we refer to as arthrokinematics. And if you haven't listened to the episode on arthrokinematics, it, it aired just the previous episode to this one. And I wanted to make sure we put those together. So these muscles are very important to arthrokinematics, the rolling and the gliding, not so much spinning, but there's a, a slight spin arm that takes place there. But the rolling and gliding of the humeral head inside of the glenoid fossa. Now, this is a ball and socket joint, not to be confused with a ball in socket joint because those don't exist, but also because it's called a ball and socket joint and it is not, um, it's not like, it's not like the hip, the hip is like connected in there, but the humerus is very much like a golf ball on a golf tee. It just kind of sits with a big round head on a very, very small convex surface, and it doesn't actually connect uh, like, um, you know, like a, a Lego, you know, it doesn't just click into place. So it's going to have these rotator cuff muscles that hold it there. So we talk supraspinatus, supraspinatus. Now there's infraspinatus. So if you go back, reach over your shoulder, I'm using my left arm reaching in front of me uh, across my chest and then reaching over onto my scapula. I touch the spine of the scapula and then underneath that, there's the infraspinatus and there are some really good trigger points on that one for me. So, oh, oh, I feel that some referred pain to the front of my shoulder. Um, that's not uh, a nerve pain. It's not a shooting pain. It is a trigger point which Trigger points can be a referred pain where you push on somewhere and you feel it somewhere else. So if you've ever had somebody like rubbing on your shoulders and you're like, oh my goodness, I feel that in my tooth for some reason. Like there's just these referral pains that take place. And so I'm pretty significant there. So that is the below the spine of the scapula that you can palpate. That is below or infra the spinatus, the spine of the scapula. So that's the infra spinatus. And then next to it, and as a, it's a similar joint, same joint actions, in fact, uh, but a smaller muscle called the teres minor, not to be confused with the teres major. The teres major is the lat's little brother. It does everything that the lat's do at the shoulder joint. It doesn't cross down into the thoracolumbar fascia, so it does not address the lumbopelvic hip complex like the lat's do. But the teres major, is the lat's little brother. The teres minor is like the partner of the infraspinatus. So, uh, and then we'll get into in a moment what those things do. And then there's another rotator cuff known as the subscapularis. Subscapularis. Sub is below 
not infra as in high and low, but below as in underneath. So this muscle is actually underneath the scapula. It's in between the rib cage and the scapula. All right, so let's talk about what, uh, first of all, let's give this a little acronym that people use to help remember. So it is SITS, S-I-T-S, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, and subscapularis. SITS is a nice little mnemonic to help you remember that. Supraspinatus, let's talk about what it does. Based on joint action, so it goes from the spine of the scapula and attaches to the greater tubercle of the humerus, right at the humeral head. And it is responsible for initiating abduction. So that abduction in the frontal plane, it starts to initiate that movement. Well, um, a month ago, I had a guy that came in, was referred to me by one of you who listened to this show. And this person lives in New York City. So thank you so much. And as I was working with him and I was doing a few assessments, one is just reaching his arm out to the side. Couldn't do it. And I immediately was like, you are not the client for me. Have you gotten imaging done? Have you gotten... So generally what happens if we are concerned that there is a rotator cuff issue, uh, ultrasound is a good means at which a physician will look into it. And x-ray is always good to see if there's uh, arthritis because they can, we don't immediately jump to it and say, you've torn your rotator cuff, right? So it could be a uh, inflammation of the tendon. It could be a tendonitis. It could be an arthritis. So it could be inflammation of a tendon, could be inflammation of a joint. Uh, and then an MRI can also give you some very detailed information, but a lot of times a ultrasound and an x-ray will at least exclude a few other things so you don't have to go into that big thunking cave that most people have no desire to spend any time in. So that gives you an idea of what's going on. Now, if that's the case, somebody's injured to that degree, that's not for us. It's not for me. In fact, I sent him to a physician, sent him to get imaging, and then sent him elsewhere to get physical therapy so that that can be addressed. Now, what was likely wrong? His inability to move his shoulder sideways, he was able to lift it frontways in front of him. He wasn't able to abduct it. And the supraspinatus is an abductor. It initiates abduction and then allows the deltoid to take over. He wasn't getting that. So I immediately think, well, maybe there's something wrong with the supraspinatus. Now that is abduction. There are the two other ones, the infraspinatus and the teres minor, which are below the spine of the scapula. And they do external rotation, lateral rotation. And they have also what's called a caudal glide or an inferior glide. Inferior and caudal are the same uh, difference two different words that mean the same thing, inferior and caudal, which means away from the head. So when you see people doing these lateral rotations and they might use a band or they might be using the cable machine or lying on their side, even and using a dumbbell, people standing upright and using a dumbbell side to side, that one that's never made any sense to me because the resistance is not against the external rotation. So you want the resistance uh, pulling you into medial or internal rotation, and then you move out. You do not want to do heavy weights with this. 
you don't need to be focusing on hypertrophying these muscles and get them to be super strong because their goal is not to be muscularly developed. Their goal is to stabilize the humeral head inside of the glenoid fossa, the shoulder joint. Luke, I am your fascia. So the goal for us here, as people go into external rotation, not only does it strengthen that because we're so internally rotated in general, but it also pulls the humeral head very slightly inferior out of that socket. So if people have this superior anterior glide, which oftentimes happen that creates pinching, and as people reach over their head and they're going into a roll, but it is not gliding within that joint, it can lead to pinching and these muscles have to be trained to get that to glide as it rolls and if it doesn't do the gliding then it will do the pinching and the pinching will lead to some serious damage to take place most commonly in the supraspinatus because it is the one that remember is threaded between the acromion process and the clavicle that ac joint and so as you reach overhead, it's the one that gets pinched. So the external rotations can allow for a caudal, caudal glide. So now we've got supraspinatus does abduction, infraspinatus teres minor does external rotation. And then there's the subscapularis underneath the scapula. And it is the only one of the rotator cuff that does medial or internal rotation. And sometimes that's valid. Sometimes that needs to be strengthened. That's absolutely true. But remember, most people are already internally or medially rotated. And so the issue isn't whether or not we get good internal rotation. It is whether or not we can get out of it and stabilize and have the appropriate length tension relationship. Then we want those muscles to force couple to work together in order to stabilize that joint and then they have to go into the appropriate arthro kinematics, not ab and adduction, external rotation, internal rotation. They have to do rolling, spinning, and gliding. The theoretical concept that goes along with arthro kinematics, how the joint itself moves. And we need that roll and we need that glide in order for our movement to take place at the rotator cuff and the rotator cuff muscles are there for us. Now, they all do individual jobs. Abduction, supraspinatus. External rotation, infraspinatus, teres minor. Uh, internal rotation, so uh, external rotation, supraspinatus, teres minor. Internal rotation, subscapularis. What do they do as a job? stabilize the shoulder joint. I tell people it's kind of like a goalie in soccer. A goalie in soccer can jump up, they can reach sideways either way. They have a big goal that they're trying to do, but what is their job? What is their job? Keep a ball from going in the goal. That's their job. So they have different actions, but their job is to keep the ball from going in the goal. Rotator cuff has different actions, but its job is to stabilize the humeral head within the glenoid fossa to keep the head of the humerus inside the shoulder joint and to roll and glide appropriately. All right, there are a few little tests that people can do. You can do as a trainer. And, you know, our goal isn't 
diagnostic with these things, not a diagnostic test, but these are assessments that we can do and go, yep, something's wrong. So one of the things that you can do is you can just take your arms out like freeze, right? And, and then you put your arms up in the air. So you're in the frontal plane and then just reach overhead. And if you reach overhead or your client reaches overhead and they just can't do it because it hurts, something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's not just reaching overhead. Sometimes they can reach overhead, but as they lower the arm back down, something's wrong. Clicking is not necessarily wrong. Pain is always wrong. Pinching is always wrong. So if you get pain or pinching going on, something's an issue, need to get it checked out and not by a personal trainer. And not by a personal trainer that goes, oh, I'm really good at shoulders, <laughs> right? Like that's not, that's not who we are. It's not what we do. We send people out to their physical therapist and the licensed professional that can help to diagnose these things. And a lot of times the physical therapists are going to send people out for imaging anyway. So giving them over to their physician is probably the best and most correct first step anyway. Another thing that you can do, it's called an empty can test. Just taking the arm out kind of scapular and then internally rotating as if you're pouring out a can of soda as you rotate down and you are abducted and you're kind of scapular plane, but, uh, but frontal plane as well and internally rotating at the shoulder. And if that elicits some pain, then you know this is time. You gotta, you gotta send them out and get them checked out. It doesn't mean you can't train them the rest of the session, but you might just be doing legs and abs. You might be able to do some arm stuff, but stay away from the shoulder stuff. Remember, just because somebody's in pain someplace doesn't mean you can't train them any place. That is a problem with a lot of people who end up getting hurt or they have maybe a surgery, there's an injury that takes place, and then they stop doing anything. Remember, our job is most importantly to get people move. Well, our first most important job is to make sure we don't hurt them. But also if they're hurt, we refer them out. But then we also continue to work them out in places that we can work them out that does not elicit pain. So let's take advantage of the opportunity that shoulder might not work for them. Hey, you feel anything in the shoulder? We're done with it. Let's not do it. So we're going to avoid anything. Maybe refer to a physical therapist and say, what can I not do? And they'll probably say, I don't know. I haven't seen them. So you may need to work with a physical therapist to do that. If you don't have a physical therapist buddy, get one. Find a physical therapist, somebody that you've worked with that you can refer your clients to and maybe they can refer some patients out to you, especially if you can prove to them that you are a solid trainer and you know what you're talking about. Uh, with my physical therapist, he told me for years he would never refer anybody to a personal trainer because he felt trainers hurt people more than helped people. And I was offended. But then I was like, well, I mean, that's his experience because that those are the people that he is seeing and throughout the years, I was able to change his mind. And he also knows that eventually you're just going to get people who are going to work with the trainer anyway. So is it somebody that the physical therapist can recommend that they feel comfortable and confident with? And that's where that corrective exercise um, course that NASM has comes in very handy. And so not only does it uh, give you a credential, but it gives you the education to allow you to work with people that once they're done with their therapies, 
then maybe you can see them as a personal trainer and continue to work with them, but you will also have a good rapport with the therapist so that you can gather information from them and have a better understanding with what you can and cannot or should not be doing with that individual. Anyway, there's a little information there about the rotator cuff, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, subscapularis, the sits muscles. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at dr.rickritchie on Instagram, or you can hit me up in an email at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.